0: like a rocket ship? Oh, yeah, Henry's cool. Three, two, one,
2: 2 1 I want to hear you sing the introduction into this podcast episode.
1: Welcome to Hot Marriage Cool
2: Parents way better than I thought. Really? Wow. That was kind of sexy, actually.
1: Oh, thanks. Good I for really you. I really tried my hardest. I could
2: tell. That was amazing. <laughs> really? I really think so. We should listen to it again. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. This is Douglas.
1: And I'm Jamie Otis. I was an aspiring singer once upon a time. I would still, if I could have any talent, I think I would be a singer like Mariah Carey or Carrie Underwood mm. or Whitney Houston, you know. Yeah. I feel like their voices are just so powerful. I don't know. I just feel like music and singing, if you have a good voice, yeah, it's just so powerful. I also love Halsey, though. Don't ask. <laughs> I just love Halsey, though, too.
2: <laughs> Quite an array.
1: I mean, I would prefer to sound like Whitney, but Halsey, I love her vibe.
2: Yeah, I don't have that fantasy, but I think, <laughs> I think that you keep working on it and you never know.
1: I got to tell you, I've worked on it for a long, long time. And this is something that I don't think comes with practice at least not for me I don't know people (laughs) might say different and I'm not trying to discourage myself or anyone else but I've literally taken lessons and I like did the lip trills and I uh fun fact what there's like lip trills where you
2: go oh I could do that
1: no but you do that to like I don't know warm your voice up I literally have like tried to educate myself I tried teaching myself piano I've tried everything this is when I was younger like a long, long time ago and soon I was like, okay, I just don't think that this is gonna pan out for me.
2: Well I was gonna say, do you think that vocal teachers, do you think that they look at their students and just say, yeah, no?
1: Honestly, it was really therapeutic for me. So my voice teacher, I really wanted to have like a beautiful voice. Like when I had custody of my siblings, my sisters and I, we would watch American Idol and we watched Dancing with the Stars and we just, I don't know, we just loved it. And my sister was in chorus and I was in chorus and nothing would ever like make me feel better than good music back in the day. And so, I mean, still actually, but especially back then. And so I wanted to be able to sing like these musicians. And so my sister, Amy Lynn, she was still in high school. And so she was like, oh, my chorus teacher offers private lessons. Maybe we should go to her. So my sister and I would go to get the private lessons from her chorus teacher. And I just remember so many times I almost cried while singing and I was so embarrassed because this teacher is like my age, essentially. She's like a couple of years older than me, but gotcha. it was oddly very therapeutic I know that sounds so strange, but like, you know, you're so vulnerable when you're really trying your best to sing. And I'm such a perfectionist. I really wanted to sound good and I knew that I wasn't doing it right. But I don't know how or why, but it was very, very therapeutic and she was very kind to me. She was never mean, but I got to say like... Did your other
2: siblings want to like kill you guys for singing? I could imagine just you and Amy Lynn just coming home and trying to sing the entire day together.
1: It was more me and I would make her listen to me sing the same song song over and over and over again. And she was like, you sound fine. I'm really not that good of a singer. I can admit it now. It's okay. But anyways, I don't even know how we got on that tangent.
2: I don't know. But today we have a guest that is a blast from your past.
1: Yeah, actually. Fun fact, it was right around the time that I was... Uh, trying to be a good singer that I went on The Bachelor. And they ask your hobbies when you go on that show. And I said, I... You said you know, singing? Yes. And then they wanted me to sing. And I was like, oh, I can't sing. I said, it's a hobby. Like, yes, I take voice lessons. They're like, okay, well then sing. They assume that you're a good singer if you're taking voice lessons. That
2: would have probably been as awkward, if not more awkward than your kiss with Ben Flanick.
1: Um, I don't know what would be more awkward. Probably. I have no idea to be honest. That's so good. <laughs> also, like around that same time, I auditioned for... It was like like a very amateur American Idol. And you would get to be able to go on stage and sing at like the mall or something. And so I went into the radio show to sing and I was doing really good and I could tell that they thought so. And then it went to the high note. It was Miley Cyrus's The Climb. Um, how's that song go? It
2: goes... I have no idea. so
1: amazing. Da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> it's the climb.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. And they, that's where when it, it came to yep. that, they were like, oh, actually, nope. They were they, <laughs> like, I could see the hope in their eyes. And then when I went to go hit the high note, they were like, oh, no, nope, that's not our girl. You got to
2: find a song <laughs> you can whisper throughout.
1: I know. Like, I always thought Miley would be really easy to sing because she has like a very raspy, almost, I don't want to say manly, but just a rougher voice. And so I thought that would be like a really good song for me to sing because I was like, oh, I don't have to like actually sing, but turns out, uh, yeah, she can actually sing. <laughs> yeah,
2: she's good. I listened to her on Howard Stern a couple times and she surprised me.
1: Yeah, like you think that these singers who have like raspier voices aren't necessarily talented and that you can just, you know, sing like them and then yeah. you try to sing their song and you're like, oh, actually... No, that's all talent.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, a lot of times people that see other bands or even singers sing in real life, it's totally different than listening to them on the radio or produce song. Yeah. And um, I just love the unplugged sort of acoustic type uh, singers.
1: I feel like that's how you really can tell if they're good singers or not. But like nine times out of ten, they're good singers. Even Britney Spears. Like you think that she's not a good singer girlfriend can sing she sure I mean I get it like her albums now are totally like well I mean she doesn't have any now but you know what I mean like her later albums are very I don't know what they call it uh produced I guess but like she can actually sing believe it or not I am a big big fan of Britney Spears and I feel like she has had this is we are way off off. (laughs) topic now but before we change the subject and get back on track I have to say I am a big fan of Britney Spears and I do not take lightly if anyone picks on her for her dancing on Instagram or the way her makeup looks or her hair because she is someone who
2: yeah watch the documentary uh, that they had Free Britney or whatever it was it's really really eye opening
1: yeah And honestly, she's someone who, I don't know this for sure, but I think that in the documentary, you know, she talks about how she struggles with mental health and, honestly, being someone that struggles with mental health myself, like I just have no tolerance for someone who picks on someone else, especially if they're someone who j- is struggling with their mental health. And uh, for sure. so anyways, now that got real serious. But okay, so we have an awesome guest on today. Her name is Katie Chen Mazzara, and she was my producer on The Bachelor. And we talk a little bit about what I was like. That was now, I think, 10 years ago. Crazy. Um, yeah, or Crazy. more. It's actually over 10 years ago that I was on The Bachelor. I feel kind of old. Yeah, was, we
2: were watching a murder show, cold case or whatever, last night. And I remember the, the date said 1999. And it seemed like it was just like yesterday. And you don't realize that it's like 22 years ago.
1: 1999, isn't that? Wait, 1999. That's I when was, I was a
2: senior in high school.
1: Was it 22 years ago? I'm so bad at math. I thought it was 32.
2: Uh, maybe 32. Jeez. 99, so no. wait,
1: 99 to 10 to 20. Yeah, because no, I was 17 okay.
2: when I graduated high school.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Anyways, yeah, we're old and I'm terrible at math and that's just an example. (laughs) So anyways, but no, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about this interview because I really enjoyed chatting with Katie. Mm -hmm. So she met her husband, Michael Mazzara on The Bachelor. They were actually dating when I was on the season and we talked to her a little bit about behind the scenes of The Bachelor, but she has a new passion. And honestly, I kind of wanted to get into more about behind the scenes and like why she left producing. And we talked about it a little She did touch on that. Yeah, you'll enjoy this interview if you are a fan of reality TV and you want kind of like the behind the scenes because she talks about that a little bit. And I think that honestly, producing, just as like an outsider looking in, I can imagine that it takes a toll on your psyche because you have to be manipulative, especially if you're producing The Bachelor.
2: Especially dealing with so many strangers that are all there for one purpose and they all want to win. And Yeah. It's yeah, it's really interesting trying to navigate the behind-the-scenes type psychology of everything, which she kind of goes into. Yeah.
1: And I think that, I mean, she met her husband on the show, so she has nothing, I mean, the same thing for me with married at first. Life. I will never have a bad thing to say about married at first sight because I met my husband and I wouldn't have my family without it. You know, there are some behind the scenes that are pretty revealing. So anyways, I'm excited to touch base on that. And then what I really wanted to talk to her about was financial freedom because that's what she's really passionate about right now. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with just knowing how to manage and even like be aware of what's coming in and what's going out. Like, you know, you get paid and then by, you know, the next payday, you're broke. And it's like, well, where did my money go? Like, what am I spending my money on? And maybe you try to save for years and you just never have. Like, I'm really into that kind of stuff because I mean, that was kind of like Doug and I in the beginning of our marriage. Doug yeah. would just blow through money and I'm the complete opposite. I save every penny. I try not to spend a dime on anything other than like the necessities because that's just
2: how I, yeah. I don't know. This is something that's relevant with a lot of couples, especially when you're at home, you're able to kind of focus more on the finances and everybody's staying in, the stimulus checks, money, everything. It's just, she's really offers a great perspective, which I think helps a lot of couples because, you know, that is something that couples do argue about. Yeah,
1: yeah. And we've definitely had our fair share of arguing over money, especially in the beginning of our marriage. And even still now, I still wonder, Doug, we have a couples therapist, as you guys know, and we were chatting and I was like, talking about how, you know, full transparency, I'm just all about being completely honest. And we made for one of our spinoff shows, we each made $80,000. That's like, information that's never been shared before, but we each made about $80,000 for one of the spinoff shows. And we, in full transparency, we don't even make that much money anymore. Mm -hmm. But anyways, so we did for this one spinoff show and we also had our regular jobs as well. And no joke, Doug, you know, you made... Probably six figures that year because of your, for sure, over six figures that, like not a ton. I think you made about $80,000 at your iSims job. And then you made close to that, yeah. Yeah. And then you made about $80,000 for Married at Versailles. So that's like about $160,000. Mm-hmm. And at the year's end, you had nothing to show for it not a new car, not a new home.
0: Nothing. And
1: we both had to pay money to get you out of debt. Yes. And to me, that is like, Alarming For me, I made less money than you because I was working as a nurse and I was also trying to write my book and start uh-huh. a jewelry line. And I had money in the bank and had to help bail you out of your debt. And so, you know it's just an interesting thing to think about. I'm like, what did you spend your money on?
2: I know. And I have nothing to show for it.
1: I know. Like, still now, like, I was just talking to our therapist, and I was like, you know, I still want to ask him that. Like, what did he spend his money on that year?
2: I don't know. I really don't.
1: For real, Doug? Like, how do you go through that much money?
2: I don't know if I necessarily went through all of it. You
1: must have. I mean, it wasn't in the bank.
2: Well, everything that I had, all the ca- all the checks that I had, were cashed through the bank. Um, I don't know what it was. I think it was maybe some part of the debt. Other parts of me just going out and spending on coffee every day and gas and
1: yeah, but coffee and gas is not equal. Well, I'm just I'm trying dollars. to think.
2: I mean, when I look back on my bank statement, I mean that's just the telltale of everything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, this is something I. To be very honest, Doug, I not know. To continue talking about because yeah. it's... it's
2: I, d- I don't know. Why are we bringing it up now?
1: I don't know, because it just seemed like but, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since we talked to the therapist. And, I know,
2: but what does it matter now? And also,
1: it just made me think because we're talking about <laughs> money.
2: Right. And I just... Well, you make it seem like I blew through $80,000 in a year. You did. Yeah, but like that's, I think, just with everything. I don't know what it was. I really don't. And you blew- everything is in my statement. I don't understand. Like, what does it matter? I know. Now? Well,
1: now I feel like you feel attacked or something. And I'm not trying to attack you, but well, I just. It's just
2: weird. To- it's just a weird thing to bring up. That was like six years ago.
1: Yeah, I know. But I always just <laughs> let it go because I've always just let yeah. things go. Go.
2: I mean, we could look through my statement. I don't know.
1: But Maybe now I'm don't. like, how on earth did you <laughs> go through so much money? I don't like know. when how does I anybody had, go
2: through money? I don't know.
1: Well, most people buy a house, or they buy a car, yeah. or they, you know, buy. I mean, actually, that year you did buy me an engagement ring. So hmm. how much was my engagement ring? Do you remember?
2: Well, all in all, I think it was probably close to eighteen.
1: Well, that's a big chunk of change. Good God, that's a lot of money.
2: Well, it was just the ring at first. What do you mean? And then it was the two little bands after. I love
1: those two bands. I love my engagement ring. See, this is why I want to talk about it because I'm like, well, where did you blow through all that money? And like, can you Mm -hmm. give me some sort of answer? Because obviously we're going through a bit of issues right now. And we were living in New Jersey for the first time.
2: Yeah. Well, when we lived in New York, it was $22 a day.
1: To go back and forth. Back and forth over the
2: GW and tolls. Other than that, it was clothes, food. I don't know.
1: See, that's why we have Katie on because... Well, first yeah. of all, it could make any... I, I, I don't, really
2: I don't remember.
1: Honestly, I have zero shame in being suspicious about that because I feel like anybody <laughs> would be suspicious. Like, what the heck did you yeah. do? And then also, let's say you can account for it all, but yeah. not with like a car or anything prominent. Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's just all very concerning. So yeah. anyways, we have Katie on to talk to her about basically financial freedom and like how you're able to really manage your money and not be like, oh, I don't know where it all went.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was way before... before... Before I had any responsibilities other than just us.
1: Yeah. I feel like we've come a long way since then. But I remember your mom told me when we first got married, Mm -hmm. take over his paychecks, (laughs) handle all the money. And I was like, I can't do that because I don't even know him. And I feel like that's so disrespectful. And I mean, I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. but. Then, when you had no money at the year's end, and
2: I didn't have you were, no money at the year's end. You really? End. I didn't have zero dollars at the year's end.
1: You had like a thousand dollars. I've had
2: way more than that. I never had below $1,000 at that time.
1: Doug, but the truth of the matter is is that— But I, I'm
2: just saying, I, I just don't—I don't know. It's six years ago, Jane.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm not trying to— well, I,
2: I know, but that's the answer that I have to I give. Know. Well, I, it's six years well, ago. Well, what I'm saying— I don't know.
1: Well, what I'm saying is that when your mom told me mm-hmm. that I should have, you know, handled your money and then when yeah. we discovered you had over $50,000 in debt— and I had zero structure. And I had to give my hard-earned money at like mm-hmm. one year into marrying this stranger I cough over over $20,000 to get you out of debt. That was really eye-opening. And your mom basically was like, well, told you so. You you (laughs) should have managed his money.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's really where, you know, I can't sit here and blame my parents. (laughs) But, you know, like we didn't grow up having to really worry about money. You know, we weren't like a very wealthy family, but... I was never taught checks and balances. I was never taught managing a checkbook. I was never taught, you know, I mean, I created so much debt just with credit cards and Not I was paying just your copays for bills. So irresponsible. I bought a house with my best friend, Tim, and just the credit cards that I took out and then just not making payments and just letting them go and ignoring creditors' calls and ripping up the statements that would come in through the mail. Like I was so immature about money and how to handle it and how to save. And it really bit me in the ass by the time like it all came to fruition, like when I actually needed my credit. That's yeah. when it all sort of just fell on me. and. I don't want to make the same mistake with Henley, Hendricks, and any future kids that we have.
1: Yeah, no, I can see so much growth in you for mm. just even admitting that. And I think that's the it was, first that was step. That terrible. I think that's the first step to change. And honestly, Doug, when we first started talking about this, you got a little defensive and you just wanted you're like, yeah, it was six years ago. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I really believe, and I do this to myself, like for personal growth, is like to really sit in your truth and like think about it yeah. and own it. Like, okay, so sure, I sucked that six years ago at doing mm-hmm. all of this, but the only way I'm ever gonna change is if I admit that I sucked at it and then mm-hmm. I actually like I apologize if I hurt somebody in the midst of sucking at it and then I actually come up with an action plan of how to change and then it doesn't even just come to that then it's like following through by actually taking this action plan and putting it into practice to me that is a recipe for the most I don't know like noble person really and correct me if I'm wrong but I really admire people who do things like that like nothing is more attractive to me than someone who can be like all right so I messed up. And Mm. this is how I messed up. And I'm sorry about that. And this is how I'm going to change. And then, you know, this is the kicker for me, because it's, for example, like with my mom and just her relationships, the men would be like, I'm sorry, messed up. You know, I hit you. I'll never hit you again. I promise. (laughs) And this is entirely different, obviously. (laughs) But this is why I have this mentality is that like, they would be like, I'm so sorry. I'll never lay my hands on you again. I love you and our family. And you know, you mean the whole world to me and blah, blah, blah. So they would recognize that there's something wrong. They would say sorry for it. Then they say, I'll never do it again. I'm right. going to not do this. But then they never follow through on the action plan. So to me, the most noble, respectable, admirable human being is someone who can do all the things and then have the action plan and actually do something different. Yeah. So that being said, I guess maybe that's Couldn't why I agree more. I don't know if that makes me a drill sergeant or something.
2: No, no. I don't know whether it's just me. Like When I think back to those times, even before we got married, I was like nervous and scared of checking my bank account because I just didn't want to come to terms with how much was in there. Like it was bad. Yeah. And then I was working a just commission only job for a while, just not even having like a real job, just such a dark place. And it just rips at my stomach, like just times like that. And thankfully, I was kind of woken up. And by the time that I got married, I was still trying to recover from that, Mm -hmm. but not really even having any structure on how to do it. And it was just one of those things where a lot of times, and I'm trying to work on this, but a lot of times, like I'll just almost see if things will just blow over, (laughs) Yeah, you know, when they don't, they just don't blow over. And it's just not coming to terms with reality. And then that's when all of the debt and everything else sort of just came. And I was just like, you just have to grow up and you have to put together a plan and I don't see you as a drill sergeant. I see you as a teammate, and I think it's just uh, some of the defensiveness is just me being ashamed of that time, and I still try to hold that sort of bravado about me. I, I don't love know you, why, Doug, and that's you know? why
1: I love you so much, <laughs> and I could just cry because I, because I know it takes a lot for you to be that vulnerable yeah. and open, and you're never mm. that vulnerable and open with me, and that's like something yeah. we're working on, like communicating you know, what your struggles are and how you feel. And I just want to kiss you because... (laughs) 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 No, but like that means so much to me, Doug. And that's why I really believe we're going to be married for our whole lifetime. Like we go through such hard times. But like I think the thing about you and I is that... I don't know. I just, I see such a change in you and such a growth in you. Like you never used to own up to any Mm. mistakes or whatever, you know, like you just would get defensive and then kind of turn it around on me. But I just feel like right now, I mean, that's kind of how this conversation started Started
2: out. out. Yeah. And I could totally see that too.
1: But now I don't know how we got so lucky to have each other. You know, like <laughs> oh I'm, no. I feel so lucky to have a husband who listens to me and respects me mm-hmm. and
2: is learning to communicate more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And honestly, I don't even care about, I've never cared about money. I really don't. I, I could, know. I was happy yeah. when I lived in my trailer in the trailer park with my siblings. All I want is true love and a true family. Like to me, that's true happiness, not yeah. money. So, like, you could make all the money in the world and I wouldn't even care. Like, I just want someone that's vulnerable and open and, I don't know, honest. And yeah. I feel like for a little bit of time, you just weren't. And obviously, no. it's because you were ashamed, I guess. And But I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And so...
2: Yeah. You said it the other day, how freeing it could be, you know, yeah. like when you just let it out. Yeah. And I don't even know what it was, but for the longest time, you know, like being the oldest child being the captain of every sports team that you've ever been on. You want to keep this sort of face Mm -hmm. all the time. And I was just so used to that. Just so used to being able to talk my way through things, just being the person that like nothing mattered or nothing really affected me, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was like, most of the time, like it truly does. I'm like, my attitude is still positive and I've Mm -hmm. always tried to keep a positive attitude. But I've always felt the need to keep a strong, brave face all the time for Mm -hmm. anything. And a lot of times when you're that person, whether it is the oldest sibling or the captain of a team, it gets to the point where people look up to you and don't feel like they can call you out on things. You know, like there was no one to tell me, Doug, you're fucking up. And a lot of times it would be because I would hide and not verbalize the things Mm -hmm. that I was either ashamed of or terrible at. So no one could even help me at that point. And, you know, it's a weird sort of, it was a habit. It's a bad habit of Mm -hmm. mine that is obviously still with me a little bit.
1: But we all have bad habits. And I think that I've never seen you... Just become such a more attractive and like noble man, and not just like the fact that you can admit that in your in your late (laughs) thirties, and some people can never change. And I'd
2: say mid thirties, but yeah,
1: you're in your late thirties. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) No, that makes me fall so in love with you, Doug. Like seriously, because (laughs) I just want to be with someone just like you. Yeah, right now, and the fact that you're able to be vulnerable, admit you know,
2: where you're, we all have
1: our strengths and weaknesses and we yeah. all struggle at different things. And that's what makes us unique, you know, and yeah, it's not, nothing's to be ashamed of.
2: No, I know. And that's kind of my struggle. That's kind of what goes on almost with everything, which yeah. is weird. No, I know that.
1: I mean, I've caught on after a few years being married, just yeah. like when it comes to the competitiveness with, <laughs> you know, I think everything. everything. Yeah. And I've noticed <laughs> that with our daughter, I don't want that for our children, Doug. I really don't. Um. No. But that's a whole different conversation. And we don't have to go there. Yeah. And we're different. You know, we'll tackle that a different day. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being so honest and vulnerable. And I love you so much. It really makes me like fall in love with you all over again. I it love really you. Does.
2: too. I'm and trying. I, I know
1: you are. And that's all I can ask for. Yeah. Like truly, like to actually see the change and like take the action steps. That's yeah. literally like what I'm
2: well, it's because of you. Oh, Doug I love you Because you do that
1: Well thank you I hope that we And it always took me make... a
2: while To start doing that
1: I know But it feels good right To just let it out It's yeah. okay Like it's okay We yeah. all have flaws No one's perfect
2: Well you also need someone That can be there To sort of pat you On the back after You know I'll always like be you did. there To pat you on
1: the back <laughs> after Yeah Because I love you Yeah but, anyways, well, let's bring Katie on because. Well, this- before
2: that, something else that's inspirational was real quick the five star review that we got this week from NorCal Wine Mama. That's a very inspirational name. It says inspirational. Aww. Can I say supermom? Jamie, you amaze me, and Doug's sense of humor cracks me up. (laughs) The banter between you two remind me of me and my husband. I've been wanting to write a review for a while, so here it goes. Jamie, your book had me in tears right from the start. Thank you for the autographed copy. It was a birthday gift from my hubby. I don't read much because I have three little ones, but I seriously couldn't put it down. When friends say you two are relatable, they're not kidding. My firstborn is a girl and two boys. My third baby is only a couple weeks behind Hendrix. Mm. I suffered bacterial meningitis with my second pregnancy. I Mm. had a healthy baby boy and we're doing great. That's why I decided for one more. I suffered an ectopic ectopic pregnancy before my last baby was born. Mm. I can say having your podcast to listen to helped me through it. Like you, Jamie, I also love murder documentaries.
1: <laughs> this is my girl.
2: I have changed my deodorant because of you Aww. and some of my household products. So thank you.
1: Oh, that makes me so happy. I feel like this is my girl. First of all, everything. Yeah. The Northern California wine girl. She's from wine country, it sounds like. And the fact that she cares about, you know, just the sustainable (laughs) products and ingredients and healthier options for her family, but also, you know, just the mom life struggle. An ectopic pregnancy is where the egg is fertilized inside your fallopian tube rather than in your uterus. And so, it Wait, ev- so
2: like the little tube that goes into the uterus?
1: Exactly. It can the-
2: get stuck in there?
1: Yeah, so the sperm like must have swam really far, oh, that's really a fast. swimmer. Yeah, that's a fast swimmer. But it's really sad because inevitably, I mean, well, first of all, it's dangerous. It can be very dangerous, but also... They can't
2: just guide it down?
1: No, unfortunately, nine times out of ten, once it's discovered, then it's already, you know, like it, there's oh, no saving it. because doesn't it
2: embed into the walls? Like that's what... Um, yeah. I think happened with Jonathan. Was that part maybe ripped which N- let out?
1: Um not necessarily well. Well, doesn't it attach somewhere? Is. But yes. like so, so it's it, bad if it attaches yeah, to that. Exactly, because there's no room for the uterus can grow and expand, you know, to hold the baby, whereas your fallopian tube can't. And so that's just a really sad situation. My heart goes out to her for that. But you know, I'm so happy that you wrote the review and you took the time. Thank you so much. We obviously adore you all. And I wish that you and I could be neighbors because I sounds like we would be like BFFs.
2: You know, it's so nice to hear that the things that we say, the people that we have on are really resonating with mm-hmm. people, which is also why we love talking about some of our sponsors, because we also think that they help and they certainly help us. So quickly want to give a shout out to some of our awesome sponsors today.
1: Yeah. So we got three different sponsors this week. It's Talkspace, which I'm a huge fan of therapy, as you know. And then we have First Leaf, which is an amazing wine company. I'm going to share with you a little bit more about that. And then also we have Ritual. Uh, Ritual vitamins are great. I can't wait to tell you about that because they are like the one prenatals that don't really make me gag. Um, (laughs) But anyways, we'll start off with Talkspace. So everybody who listens knows that we love Talkspace. We absolutely love it therapy in general. You know, when they say mental health is a journey, they really do mean it. I mean, just look at my life unfolding in the last several (laughs) episodes.
2: Well, I'm very, very proud of you and how far you've come. And I know one of the things that has really helped was the ability to get professional help and help me as well, which is exactly what you get with TalkSpace.
1: Yeah, it's super important to prioritize your mental health and wellness literally every day. It's so important. I've realized that when I work on myself, it actually brings positive changes in literally every other area of my life.
2: Yeah, and whether you're in a crisis or want to help strengthen one or more areas in your life or your relationships, or maybe you just want some guidance and support to reach a future goal, you can rely on. On the therapists at TalkSpace. Yeah,
1: they make it so easy to get started. So you can literally sign up online and then start therapy that same day.
2: And they make it super convenient, no matter how busy your schedule is, how busy your life is. You fill out a questionnaire, they match you with the appropriate therapist. You can text, you can video, you can send voice messages. They make it an unlimited amount that you can send to your therapist 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they'll actually engage with you live five days a week.
1: Yeah. So that's like such a kicker for me because you know how, like, if you sign up for therapy sometimes and you have to wait like a week or two to get your first appointment when really you're struggling now. And I think that that's... Or have to go to
2: an office. Yeah.
1: That's the thing that I really like about Talkspace is that you're able to shoot out a text or send out a video. And Doug, did you know that Talkspace is actually the number one online therapy platform?
2: I did. They They still are.
1: Yeah. They have thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 different specialties. So they can help with things like anxiety, depression, relationships, so many different things. And to match you with a licensed therapist today, you can go to Talkspace.com, make sure to use the code Jamie, J-A-M-I-E to get $100 off your first month.
2: That's Jamie when you go to Talkspace.com T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E dot com. Use the code Jamie to get $100 off your first month.
1: Yeah, and uh I do not advise wine as therapy, but... It could be
2: a good therapy.
1: I'm just saying it goes well with therapy, that's for sure. So, <laughs> First Leaf, I love this brand. It's newer to me. Like, we just started getting wine through first leaf. And the reason that I love it, oh, there's so many reasons.
2: Well, life is stressful. The kids make you crazy and you (laughs) definitely don't want to go to the store and attempt to choose between billions of different wine choice. I mean, there are so many to choose from. Red, white, organics. I mean, there's different areas. Yeah,
1: but honestly, the thing about it is that like I'm not a wine connoisseur. Mm -hmm. I do love good wine. but I don't know how to pick the good wine unless it's like recommended (laughs) to me. And that's the thing about First Leaf is that it's like a fraction of the price to try to discover good wine and they give you recommendations. Plus when it's shipped to you, they have like these little wine cards in the box and it like literally helps you how to pair the wine and things. And I just, I love it.
2: And it's a wine club that sends curated boxes of wine that are perfect for you. No guesswork, no frustration. They customize to your unique palate and preferences.
1: Yeah, and they actually use a -a one-of-a-kind algorithm and your feedback to make each box better and better. So First Leaf, they'll work directly with the world's best winemakers not only to find the best wines available, but then to pass along the savings to you. So you're literally saving up to 60% off retail.
2: Yeah, so you can go to their website and sign up. You can actually choose in your preferences how many whites you want, how many reds, you want or what regions or times or where it comes from? So many different options.
1: Yeah. So when I got this red wine. I really just wasn't a fan of it and all I had to do was just click the thumbs down and then they know not to send that same bottle again. But I absolutely love this one. It was uh, Sauvignon Blanc, which I don't even know if I say that right, but it was from New Zealand and it was delicious. So I give that the thumbs up and now I get it every single time and I obviously love that because now it's become my favorite wine.
2: Yeah, and I don't drink. So the subscription is completely flexible and we don't get it every single month.
1: Yeah, and I actually ordered extra because, you know, we're recording this episode and coming out after this, but I'm going on my birthday bash weekend. And so I got some extra bottles of wine so that I could bring it to my birthday. And you can get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash marriage.
2: That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com backslash Hot marriage.
1: Yeah, and like I said, if you want to try a really good one and you're not sure where to even begin, definitely go for the Sauvignon Blanc. It's from New Zealand. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it is delish.
2: Yeah. And I actually just got the ritual vitamins in the mail. So Jamie has been taking the prenatals and I just got the ritual for men, which is a multivitamin. And I'm just looking to really start to take better care of my body. And these vitamins are vegan friendly. They're formulated with high quality ingredients. There's no GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or any artificial colorants. And I haven't really started taking them yet. We literally just got them in the mail, but they are made with... With a delayed release and fresh mint essence tablet which when you open up jamie's prenatals it is a phenomenal smell not typical to multivitamin i don't know if that makes a difference to some people but i know the multivitamins that i got smell like fresh mint and ritual really has thought of everyone all different life stages are now available for men for women for teens the multivitamins are literally shipped to your door every single month with completely free shipping and Ritual's goal is to really take care of the entire family by providing vitamins and nutrients that have everything that we need, no shady extras. It's super easy to start, snooze, or cancel your vitamin subscription at any time. So if for whatever reason you don't like Ritual in that first month, they refund your first order. So get the key ingredients without any BS Visit ritual.com backslash HMCP to start ritual today. You get 10% off during your first three months. That's ritua backslash HMCP. You get 10% off your first three months ritual.com backslash HMCP. All right. Thank you guys for letting us give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors. Now it's time to bring on Katie.
1: So excited to have our guest on today. She is a very, very, very longtime friend. And I mean, we met way back when I was on The Bachelor. Her name is Katie Chen Mazzara. She's a certified financial coach. She's a former journalist. She's an award-winning documentary filmmaker. And like I said, she's my former producer on The Bachelor. We just hit it off when I was on The Bachelor and we've just stayed in touch ever since then. And now Katie is helping creative freedom seekers make more worry less and achieve true financial freedom so they can create the life of their dreams. And obviously, I was like, girl, please come on and share with me all the tips. I am so excited to chat with Katie today. And I'm really excited to have her on the podcast for this conversation because I feel like everyone, all you guys listening, I mean, we could all benefit from all of the above. So I really wanted to be able to make it more of a, I don't know, an open conversation where potentially Katie could help more people other than just myself. So yeah, I'm excited. Welcome to Hot Marriage, Cool Parents,
0: Katie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to actually see you and chat with you and, and hang out. Yes. Oh, my it seems God.
2: Seems so long ago, The Bachelor, right?
0: I mean, ages ago. Yes, yes. it does. Yeah. It seems ages ago for both of us, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Dying to know, and I don't know how much you can talk about, but um, what was it like working on The Bachelor?
0: It's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, of course, I have lots of good things to say about it because I actually met my husband working behind the scenes. Like he was a producer and I was a producer. So we have that in common, right? You guys met on a show. Yeah, we have that in common. And my (laughs) husband and I met working on a TV show. And so that's the best thing that came out of it really for me is, you know, meeting my husband. And then, yeah, it is crazy. There's lots of drama in front of the cameras, but then also there were lots of drama behind the cameras and a lot of relationships formed behind the cameras.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So we here. So going back, what actually got you onto The Bachelor as a producer? Did you always have a thing for reality TV or was it just something that you kind of fell into?
0: Yeah, kind of fell into it. I always say that if reality TV had not come around, I probably wouldn't have gotten into the entertainment industry at all because I was a journalist. And the differences are that... Reality TV, of course, it's based on reality <laughs> and you're still documenting certain things. And so I was able to kind of transfer a lot of those skills I had in interviewing and talking to people and all of that kind of stuff. And and I think that's one of the reasons that like Jamie and I connected so much too, is that we were, I think, very real with each other, right? Yeah. And first of all, when I was there, I was like a fish out of water.
1: I'm sure you can remember. Actually, I remember a conversation, and I think it was with you. It was when we were in Sonoma in this house, and I was like, oh, I really like that girl for The Bachelor. And I think this was you, but like the producer was like, Jamie, you could be the girl for The Bachelor. And I'm like, oh, me? No, not me. But like that girl would be really good. Like I could see them really hitting it off. And you were like, what? And then I feel like, honestly, it was a therapy session for me. I had never talked more about just like the things that I had just lived than like in all these, I forget if it's on the fly, OTF or ITM. It's opposite for Married at First Sight and The Bachelor, but- just sitting down chatting with producers. So, a lot of people may not realize that, you know, you spend a lot of your time, probably you spend for sure way more time with the producers than you ever do with The Bachelor on the show The Bachelor. And so, you get to know them like far better than you even get to know The Bachelor. And I just gravitated towards you because I didn't feel like you had any sort of ulterior motive. Not that I even really caught on to that. I just felt like we were just like girlfriends chatting and we both had, you know, some similar experiences in our past and we were able to just be. Real in a very whimsical, romantic, fairy tale like, uh, obviously highly produced setting. It was nice to just have a moment where you could just talk for real with someone, at least for me, you know, as a contestant. And so I just gravitated towards you. There's actually one other person that I'm still in contact with from my bachelor days. Her name's Melissa. I met her in casting and we just also hit it off. And so we just. Our friends still. And then of course, I don't know, you know, Erica Rose, her and I are still very good friends, which is the most unlikely of friendships to come out. <laughs> I know, but she's real, even though she's very Erica <laughs> with her tiara wearing and girliness and whatnot. She's just very real. And I felt so comfortable with her just like I felt with you. And so one last thing before we jump over to like your
0: new passion.
2: And I have one last thing too to ask.
0: Okay. So one last thing for I have me. a comment about um, our time together on The Bachelor, too. Like what I really remembered about you. Let's not
2: make it all about you, Katie, okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, what were you going to say, Katie? I was going to say that what I really remembered about you was like your heart, right? We were in the jungles of some country, and you just gravitated towards all the children. Mm-hmm. And this was obviously before, you know, you met you're now husband and, Mm -hmm. you know, your journey around children, but it all began even way back then. And, you know, you talked to me about like wanting to eventually have children, but also if you could like help all the children, like Mm -hmm. have, you know, perhaps adoption or open up an orphanage. Mm -hmm. Like that was like the thing that I really, really loved about you. And I don't know if I ever shared with you, but I always thought, oh, you would be like the person perfect girl for my brother.
1: <laughs> you never did tell me that, actually. <laughs> but what's funny is I do remember on a balcony, some one of those fancy cities we went to, you and I were talking on a balcony, and we were just sharing a little bit about our lives together. And you did talk to me about your brother, but you were never like, you know, you never tried setting us up or anything. You just shared with me a little bit about your brother. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. That's so interesting. I had no idea. <laughs> That's That's so sweet. Yeah, no, I still want to adopt. And you know, I'm still trying to convince this one over here (laughs) that maybe that would be... We're trying to
2: manage two kids. That's true. And we're very fortunate to have the two that we
1: have. But no, I remember that interview. That was in Panama. And I remember that because you said, oh, I remember very well, you were interviewing me and behind the scenes or whatever. And you were saying, oh, wouldn't it be so nice? I can't remember what you were saying, like, essentially, like to take care of these kids. And I was like you know even though they are running around with no shoes on and they have like no clothes they seem so loved like their community loved them so much and i was like so you were trying to i think get that and i was <laughs> so i had no idea like what it was like to be a producer to try to kind of i now i get it because i've obviously been in it far more now but i was really had no idea that like you're trying to tell a story but through my perspective essentially so you're trying to ask questions so then I can like and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what it seems like. You would ask questions, so then I would say it from my perspective to share yeah. the story. That's essentially what producers do on reality TV. And of course, for everybody, this is the question I was going to ask you, but we'll get to it, is like whether or not it's scripted or not and like how real is it? Because everyone always wants to know that. But I remember you kept on asking me and I was like, I don't know. I don't feel like that they're lacking anything though. I mean, I know they're lacking shoes and like clothes, (laughs) but like you could just see the love. And obviously I'm a girl from a trailer park. So I was like, all I ever wanted was like just true love in my life. And I was like, God, I would take no clothes and like no shoes and just have like the love Everyone in the village was just doting on these kids. And I hope that that was real and not just because there's cameras around. But anyways. (laughs) It definitely was
0: real because I had to, yeah, like trek through the jungle to actually get to them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, they don't show that on the TV show. But the last question before we get into the financial coaching aspect that you're involved with. Working on a show like The Bachelor, being as popular as it is and and however long it's been on TV, when – you go to leave The Bachelor, is it seen as a positive show to be on or a producer to be on? Or does it kind of make a mark on your resume without bashing, obviously, The Bachelor? But if I went to Harvard, everybody kind of sees that Harvard degree on my resume. And, you know, it's kind of opens minds up. Is The Bachelor seen as that? I mean, not so much to the Harvard thing, but you know what I mean? Yeah, we
0: get what you're saying. I was going to say, not to the intellectuals of the world. (laughs) 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 But um, yes, I think if you were still continuing to work in like the uh, non-scripted world, The Bachelor is seen as something positive because it's been around for so long. It's kind of been a cultural icon and, Mm -hmm. you know, there are memes and GIFs and all kinds of things made about The Bachelor all the time and, you know, gets made fun of on SNL and Mm -hmm. and other things. So yes, you know, it becomes something that is, you know, a positive in a way. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of producers would die to be a producer
1: on that show, you know? And so that being said, I wanted to ask you, there's always questions that I get and they say, is the show scripted or is it real? And I always, it's a complicated question, right? Because it's not scripted. It's really not. But There is, of course, like a a factor of reality TV that it has to be produced in the sense that like you have to make it like cohesive. And so I would love to ask kind of like what your take is on that, although I kind of just answered it, I feel like. Um, But also give us something that's jaw dropping that like no one would know about The Bachelor behind the scenes from a producer who's been there and lived it.
0: Ooh. um, Well, the first question on whether it's scripted or not, yes, I get that all the time too. And this is what I tell people, like, think about it this way, especially on Bachelor, right? You put 25, 30 girls in a house and you take away every single thing that they have, basically, right? Their cell phones, like any access to books and movies and TV shows and, you know, every single thing, right? Like you basically may have a piece of paper to write on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember when we switched over to, because before you didn't even have like a journal you could write in, right? So you had nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you supply people with alcohol. hmm Yes. And they're all dating the same guy. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to happen? You
2: don't need a script for that.
0: Exactly. You don't even need a script, right? It just writes itself in so many ways, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, the producers come in and they're asking the questions like, okay, so you and you had a fight, right? Like what was that fight about? And then if you're not involved in the fight, it's like, Jamie, what happened between those two girls who were in that fight, Mm -hmm. right? So then, you have lots of ways to tell that story. Yeah. And it gets told. And it's true. Like, I
1: mean, that's the one thing about The Bachelor is that you wake up and you can have like top level tequila, you know, if you want, you know, like you have unlimited alcohol, unlimited food. uh, I feel like we had access to any of that. If you wanted to like color your hair, you would have to ask a producer to go Mm -hmm. out and like get you box hair dye because you're not going to the salon. If you need your nails done, you better figure out how to do them yourself because you have like no access to the outside world. Occasionally you'd be treated like later on in the season. I remember we did get to go to the nail salon and I remember the technician had asked me some questions about like, what were all these girls and what we're doing? And I was always just so honest that that got me in trouble because mm-hmm. I can't remember who was like, did you talk to her? And I was like, I just was talking. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't saying anything about anything. Like, And I was like, geez, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to say, you know, mm-hmm. and not that it was a big deal. But yeah, it's all top secret because it's reality unfolding and it's like the number one TV show in America, isn't it?
0: Well, I don't know if it's still the number one show, but it's still up there oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So what is one thing
1: that people don't know about The Bachelor that happens all the time behind the the scenes that only a producer would know?
0: Um, Well, okay. So my first season working on the show, very, very first season, it was Jake Pavelka's season. I don't know if anybody remembers him. He was the pilot um, Mm -hmm. from Dallas, the first pilot, not Pilot Pete. And then he, on that season, there was a girl, a contestant who did end up hooking up with a producer, and before okay. we even shot anything, uh, I got called in to like the production office, a bunch of us got called in, everybody pretty much got called in, and the executive producer told us, well, that other producer got fired today, and we're going to confront the contestant on the show tonight. And then he said, just in case you don't understand, right, and you're not clear about this, but you're not to sleep with cast members. (laughs) Right? Obviously.
2: I love how they have to say that. It's like they have to have a sign in the bathroom that says, wash your hands.
1: (laughs) Right? For employees to return to work when they're handling food after they go to the bathroom. It's kind of a no-brainer, but let me just remind you. Hey,
2: when lightning strikes, love happens. Well,
1: listen. So this is the thing that's interesting about The Bachelor and how I can see that there are these little affairs that happen in secrecy. And I think they happen I'm not going to lie, and this is just for me, I saw a producer coming out of a bedroom Like a well, a hotel room. I was not supposed to see this. It was a complete accident. A producer with one of the contestants from my season, and I never said a thing because it's really none of my business. I don't want to know. I I didn't want to see. I like literally tried to hide. Like I was like, shit, I'm stuck in this elevator with them. And it was so clear. It was the morning. I had to go down to do you know one of the interviews, and it was in his room or like the side room or whatever. So like the. It was just so obvious. I don't actually know though. Truthfully, it could be any, who knows? So, that being said, I have no idea, but I could see. I instantly kind of, I had the impression that yes, they had probably just hooked up. She was very flirtatious with this producer. I mean, all over him. And I'm like, it was just so obvious to me, but I never said a thing because I didn't want to be a part of it. I didn't want to know. It's like one of those things you just, for me, I don't want any of that. And the drama is not my thing. And I realize I'm on the wrong show if that's the case. But anyways, yeah, I totally saw that. I remember being like, well, it must be so difficult for men, the producers in particular, the men. I only know from my experience, obviously I was ever on The Bachelorette, But, like, it must be so hard for these producers to, like, keep their private parts to themselves because these women are, like, fawning over some of them and flirting with them behind the scenes and your husband's Mike, and for those of you guys listening who don't know, but so her husband obviously was a producer as well, but he honestly, he was never like that. Well, obviously he was dating Katie, so he wouldn't be, but also he was never like that because I could tell that your husband didn't take a lot of these girls very seriously. Like, I could tell that he had very little respect for the girls who were flirting with the producers, you know? Like, he was just kind of like, stop. Like, he just had no (laughs) respect. And there was a few producers who were like that, and then there was a couple men who were like, You know, oh, stop, kind of, you know. So anyways, that show needs to have a reality behind the scenes, you know, like a reality show. I mean, that would do
0: astronomically better than The Bachelor. Like
1: (laughs) like it just would. Well,
0: Well, when I found out about that one incident, it was prior to getting called into the production office and having that meeting. I did notice like weird stuff around that Producer and the girl. Like they were hanging out on the couch, like being really mm-hmm. cozy together. They were kind of like nuzzling each other. And mm-hmm. um, it was my first season on this show, right? And I was like, is this how they produce on <laughs> the <laughs>
1: Well, I guess you learned real fast that no, that's not how it goes. Right. <laughs> But what's interesting about that story is you said the show hadn't even started. So for me, at the time that I saw what seemed like an affair maybe with this one producer that I didn't want to see, and I never, ever have said that I thought it was an affair. And in full transparency here, I'm not claiming that it for sure was. I have no idea what happened. I didn't see it happen. But um, this girl was literally like, and also the producers drink just as much as the cast. So that's like a fun fact. And so, you know, I could see how the lines would potentially get blurry if this woman is constantly like throwing herself at you essentially, like, begging you to sleep with her. And then one night, you know, you're in a very romantic city.
0: Yeah, I seriously doubt that girl was begging to sleep with him because the girl was gorgeous. Oh, that one? I gotcha. Yeah, and then that producer... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just say not that good looking. <laughs> gotcha, 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 But anyways, so that's some uh, drama
1: that happens behind the scenes of The Bachelor that no one really knows about, but it happens literally every season. Katie and I aren't on The Bachelor right now, but I, I think we could both agree that it probably still happens. I mean, it's just the birds and the bees mixed with some alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but I am so pumped to hear more about this financial freedom that you've started because I think that literally, I don't care how successful you are. I don't care where you come from. Like we all want this and need this in our lives. So I would love for you to just kind of share with me a little bit more. I mean, I've kind of like DM'd you and text you and I'm just like, what is this? Like, so tell me like, what is it that you're doing? Because I'm obviously super intrigued.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so excited because I made the transition to being a financial coach, right? right? And the reason I did it, one, is because of my experience in television. I was a freelance producer year after year. And as a producer, you may work on a show for like six months, and then you may not work on a show for six months, right? Like you're just going from show to show. I mean, my time on The Bachelor was a little bit of an exception because I was on the show for five years, and they have so many shows that I was pretty much working or year round, but Mm -hmm. for every other show I've ever worked on, it was like for a short period of time. And the Mm -hmm. very first show, when it ended, I was like, how do people do this, right? How do people manage their money when their income is so inconsistent? Mm -hmm. And so I started reading all the books and and I was like, oh, surprisingly, I actually really like it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then when I turned 40, I was like, I got to figure out something else because I think I can still be a TV producer for a little while longer, but not too much longer because I just wanted to do my own thing.
1: (laughs) I want to ask you real fast because I think most people listening would be like, wow, producing a TV show, like something like The Bachelor, like why would you ever leave that job? So can you explain a little bit right there? Like what made you want to leave The Bachelor?
2: I'm actually shocked that you're over 40.
1: Yeah, you don't. (laughs) You look amazing. I mean,
2: that's, yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah. I'm not what?
2: hitting on you, by the you way. You better not be. producer of <laughs> Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. I'm not.
1: <laughs> We're a distance away anyways. That's how I keep this one around. <laughs> no, but truly, like, what was it? Because it seems like the most desirable job. It's super sought after. I mean, it Consistent, is Consistent, like, obviously. Of, of, like, the reality TV shows, it's the Harvard of, like, I don't know. So at least that's what it's perceived as. So what was it that made you want to leave? Not necessarily The Bachelor, but just. TV production in general,
0: well, for The Bachelor, I left because once I got married, I was having this urge to I don't know the best word to describe it was nest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had gotten married. we bought a house, and I was traveling six months out of the year with Bachelor. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it wasn't easy to like settle down and take care of our house. Our house actually got broken into when we first bought it because we were out on the road Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. much. Right. And didn't have time to unpack and didn't have time to even put up curtains. Mm -hmm. So. All I wanted to do was just be at home,
1: (laughs) be at home and try to make babies. (laughs) Yes, yes, totally get it.
0: I've always wanted to actually create my own business, and I just didn't know what that was in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And once I started to look into it, what came through was really stories of people I've known in my life. I've had three women in my life that stayed in abusive relationships, mainly because they didn't have their own money. They had to Mm -hmm. take care of small children and, you know, they didn't have any savings or anything because they didn't work outside of the home. And so I started to go, this is my mission really, because I really, really want to empower people to have choices, right? To Mm -hmm. not make decisions just based off of money, right? Like if you don't have money, then it's easy for you to say, well, I have to do this. Because I have to put food on the table, right? I have to do this because, yeah, otherwise my children are not going to, you know, be able to survive. And what I would want is for everyone to start to look at ways to be able to not have to make those decisions instead to say, you know what, I'm in this bad situation and I can get out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I love this so much for so many reasons. Yeah. And that's when I went back to school, went to UC Berkeley, got my financial planning certification. Then I did life coaching and financial coaching because I think all of it goes together and to really understand it from a holistic picture because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't really just operate. I'm sure as the both of you know, right? Like because of your individual backgrounds and the way you both grew up, like you probably see money differently.
2: A hundred percent. And kind of speaking to that and to our listeners that may not necessarily think that they have the financial means to even have a need for a financial coach or mentor, what would be your suggestion? Is there a certain, number people have to have in a bank account in order for them to get a benefit from a financial coach like yourself?
0: No, I mean, I actually have developed programs where yes, we can work one-on-one and that is a little bit more costly. However, I've also developed a group membership course that's like very nominal, you know, like per month. And so I'm trying to keep it at a price point too. That's like anybody can join and anybody can get benefit from this as well.
1: So just curious, what are some of the strategies or tips and like how do you actually help people become more free with their finances? I think savings is always a tough one for people. Like how do you help them maybe save or I'm like so new to this, but I'm so intrigued.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I break it down to like basically three different things, right? To look at first, it's like very practical stuff. So yes, like one, you want to look at what your spending and savings looks like, right? What's coming in, what's going out, have clarity around it. I don't believe in budgets actually. <laughs> I like this already. Yeah. <laughs> And the reason I don't believe in budgets is because the human beings don't work this way, right? Like we can't just stick to something consistently. You know, I mean- Diets always fail. Mm-hmm. Budgets always fail. Yes, they equate budgets to diets, you know? And it's like, you can maybe do it for a couple of months and then you're gonna get sick of it and either rebel and- buy a bunch of stuff that you don't want, or you're going to just abandon it completely, right? But instead, what I ask people to do is just start tracking, just start looking at the numbers, right? And know what your patterns are, know what, you know, months, especially if you are somebody who works for yourself and you have kind of an inconsistent income, you want to know where those patterns are with like, let's say June and July are a little slower, right? Or you usually take a vacation in August. So, you know, like Mm -hmm. where things are so that you can save up for it a little bit ahead of time.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And that's the first part. And the second part, of course, it is like, let's look at paying down debts. However, I'm not of the school of let's just move home and live with our parents in their basement just to pay down our debts.
2: (laughs) It was my old childhood room. It was not a basement. We
0: did do that. Not going to (laughs) lie. And uh,
1: I'd have to say I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, especially if you're married and you're living with your in-laws. But it worked out for us. I'm so thankful that my in-laws welcomed us. We were able to save for, you know, for a house payment. But I would love to hear your philosophy of how you can do that without having to live with in your childhood bedroom (laughs) or with your in-laws. There's
2: nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with
1: it. Not at all. But if there's another option, let's hear it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've got great in-laws. I've seen them on TV and they seem awesome. I'm lucky, but I know not everybody has
1: great in-laws. So let's hear this other Mm -hmm. option.
0: Um, Well, the other option is to, once you know what's coming in, what's going out, you want to take a look at the debts. And I love the snowball method. And for those of you who have never heard of it, you're basically paying down the lowest credit card balance first. And then you're getting to the highest one, right? And the reason I like it versus like paying just the one with the highest APR, this is the reason I like it. One, it gives you momentum because you can pay it faster, Mm -hmm. right? two, once you've reached the highest balance card, you have the most money to actually pay that one off. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I like this. You're definitely a little, I, I can already tell your philosophy is a little different than others. And I could see how a lot of people might enjoy that. You know, I love this.
0: Yeah, it's a slower method, but it actually is sustainable for the long run, right? Like That's what I find with my clients that have come back to me year after year after year. They still have their debts paid off versus if you're just trying to pay it off as quickly as possible, then that's when you can get back into debt so much easier because you're like, oh, now I don't have any money and I got to put more stuff on to credit cards.
1: I feel like this is what's happening in a nutshell. The nurse and me, you know, I went to school to be a nurse. The nurse and me, you are treating the actual problem rather than just like giving a medication.
2: And it also gives you little wins along the way. Like I paid this off and you have a sense of accomplishment.
1: Like you're actually yeah. teaching people how to handle their money. And actually, and like Doug said, like I can see how paying the smaller one off, so it's just gone, you know, it's like one less thing to worry about feels good because you know you accomplished it, then you're going to continue that kind of behavior because it feels good. And so, yeah, Yeah. I'm like buying everything you're (laughs) selling. (laughs) So for anyone listening who may be interested but not even sure where to begin and maybe they're like, I'm living paycheck to paycheck or I don't even have a job. I mean, let's be honest, we're in the midst of a global pandemic still. How would you recommend they go about initiating this? I know you said that you do the one-on-one coaching. That's kind of, I feel like, a no-brainer because then they have you to help them. So that's like a no-brainer if they can afford it and they really want it.
2: Outside of like the checks and balances. Yeah. But like,
1: what do you offer for someone who, let's say doesn't have a ton of money per se, but just wants to try to get some of the debt down or even just learn how to save and probably can't afford a one-on-one financial coach, but is just looking for some sort of resource to help themselves. Like where would you lead them?
0: Yeah. So I actually created a quiz just for you guys too. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) really? Yes. And so I sent over a link that you can put into the show notes or whatever. And that Uh quiz will kind of break down in terms of what your personality is, because I really do think that with money and how you deal with money and how you make money decisions is really based off of like, What you've, you know, grown up with and who you are and all of those different things, right? So it really breaks it down and you can figure out what your personality is, your personality type, and then it'll give you some next steps of like what to do based off of those personality types as well. Literally, you
1: are the most amazing guest ever because that's so sweet. So for all of you guys who are driving or on your treadmill or walking the dog listening, I'll for sure have that in the show notes. And also, Katie, where can people find you if they wanted to? I know you're very welcoming and very approachable. So if someone wanted to just chat with you, maybe after or before taking the quiz, is there a spot where I could send them to?
0: Yeah, so they can either go to my website, katiechenmazara.com K-A-T-Y-C-H-E-N-M-A-Z-Z-A-R-A.com, or they can find me on Instagram or Facebook, anything, social media. I'm at Katie Chen Mazzara.
1: And so obviously I'll have that in the show notes for you guys too, because I know a lot of times when I listen to podcasts, I do not have a pen and paper. So, (laughs) and that's like the most annoying thing is you're like, ah, I wish I could write this down. Don't worry. It will be in the show notes. And also I'll be popping it on Instagram. I'm sure I'll be tagging her. So if you are like, ah, I don't even know where to find the show notes. Don't worry. Just head to the Hot Marriage, Cool Parents Instagram page and I'll be tagging Katie and whatnot. So you'll be able to find it all. But yeah, Katie, I'm so happy for you. I feel like you seem so happy. Like you're doing your own thing now and you're passionate. About it. And it's just been so
0: great to chat with you and catch up with you. Um, And we didn't really get into some coaching, but if you guys wanted to get into some coaching with me, I would be happy to do that too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, what would you add about coaching? What does that really entail? I'm not even quite sure what the financial coaching would entail.
0: Yeah, I would just ask you both a couple of questions about how you grew up and, you know, what you really experienced as children around money, right? And then we can look at what blocks you may have, essentially. When you say it really helps with like your relationship now so that you also understand each other from a different perspective too. Like I work with a lot of couples and so many times, like I worked with a therapist one time and she actually said, this feels like financial therapy to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I could see that. Okay. So real fast, I would say for myself, And I've forced my husband to be like this as well because I did spend over $20,000 of my own money when we were like a year married to help him get out of debt. So I was like, listen, we're going to be on a – like not necessarily a budget. It's not even a budget. It's we don't spend a thing unless we have to. We spend the bare minimum and we make sure we have the money in the bank. That's who I am. And then I've kind of somewhat – I wouldn't say force, but kind of, because, you know, for example, something that happened in our past is that Doug, he liked to play uh, Candy Crush, that game on the phone. I don't know if you're familiar. And he would spend hours, like a ton of time playing these games on his phone. So much so that our cell phone bill, because this was before like there was free data, our cell phone bill, I am not even kidding you, was like $600 one month, uh, $500 the next month. And I was like, you have to stop doing this. Like, what are you doing? And so we never really like per se, like solved that problem. I essentially.
2: I deleted the app.
1: Well, no, but you still kept on doing it. Like, let's be real. And um, the way that we uh, solved it was that we switched to T-Mobile so we could have free data and it was one price. And instead of us kind of, I guess, learning. I don't know. It's almost like I do feel like a little bit of um, a drill sergeant when it comes to money because like I'll take control just so that we can save. And
2: I think it's genius that you kind of bring into someone's past and how they grew up because and this goes for anybody that plays games or apps. There's these little micro transactions that are part of games. And it's something that I had an issue with, with the Candy Crush in particular, because it's so easy to see 99 cents and just to hit yes. Okay. And it just gets thrown onto your cell phone bill. And that was something that was really an issue because of how much it really started to add up. And in my head, 99 cents is just 99 cents. Like I could probably look around our floor and find 99 cents, but that's not the point of it. And I think that's where you're kind of going with the financial coaching is that you have to know what is a priority. You have to know what value and, well, and let what her, money let is. Her and coach us. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. So that's something that I've learned and I've grown into or towards because you have different priorities when you get together with somebody. And we met a stranger. So it was almost like we were a little bit strangers even in the beginning. And that is the hardest conversation, I would think, for some people or is a very difficult conversation to have than a couple is about money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that story is actually very perfect for how you both grew up, even though we haven't gotten into too many details of how you both grew up. However, it's like, Jamie, you even said, we spend the bare minimum right? Mm -hmm. Or I want to spend the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And that's how you grew up. You grew up Mm -hmm. with the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. You didn't have anything. So now you're taking what you grew up with into your lives now, right? So Instead, what I would encourage you to do is start to expand what that bare minimum really is for you because, Mm -hmm. and we can dive into deeper layers of all of it, but just in the short term, it's really important that you're also going from a place of abundance rather than from that scarcity because if you're continuing to just go, okay, we can only do the bare minimum at this point, then the kids are going to pick up on that too, right? The kids Mm -hmm. are going to say you know, we could never spend money on certain things or like there was a fear around spending money. Mm-hmm.
1: I still have a fear, to be very, very honest. I make more money than I've ever made in my whole entire life. And I am so thankful for it. And I work very hard for it. And I still have a fear to spend like too much at the grocery store. Like, I'm not, like, I don't know how to, uh, like, in full transparency, I kind of like that about myself because then I'm like, well, then I'm never going to spend too much money at the grocery store. So I don't know if that's good or bad or I don't know what that is.
0: Well, it's not good or bad. It's just a way of, Like, what do you really want to impart to your kids, right? Do you want to impart to them this sort of fear of like not spending money, right? Rather than, okay, let's think about money in terms of like, we're really circulating energy. Okay. Like that's how I believe money is, is really we're circulating energy. We're exchanging energy with each other. Mm
2: -hmm. And like,
0: you have something I want, I'm going to pay you with Either whatever currency it is, Mm -hmm. you know, and or services, right? So if we're expending energy and exchanging that energy, then we want to come from a place of abundance of that. It always comes back to us, right? We can circulate that when we're putting money out, it always comes back to us. It doesn't just disappear and Mm -hmm. be gone forever, essentially. So then I want you to start thinking about what are the things that you value, right? The two of you value, you know, in each other, in your relationship, for your family, and really start to spend more towards those things, right? The experiences with your family members, the things that you really care about. And then, of course, as you go along, you'll spend less on the things that you don't care about. You know, and then the two of you can also start to decide that for yourselves of mm-hmm. like, what are your core values, right? And what is that mission statement, you know, in your family? And so then, whenever you have big money decisions, you could go back to that list of values and say, does it hit our core values? And if it does, then yes, let's spend money towards that. And if it doesn't, then of course, it's not something that we want to spend money on. Right. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It sounds like just maybe having more of a level of awareness rather than just kind of blindly saving or blindly spending. Cause it could be one or either way. And Doug was a much a uh, blindly spending and I'm very, when he's still kind of a little bit is, I feel like you've gotten significantly better. Right. But I'm definitely a, a blindly saver. And so, yeah, we're, we're definitely polar opposites. <laughs> I could see how this could be so helpful for marriages if you tend to fight about money.
2: Absolutely.
1: It seems to me like it's therapy with an action plan integrated into it. And like it's based on just one thing rather than like just a free for all. You're to something, yeah. Katie. I could see this being really helpful for so many people. Mm-hmm. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Jamie. Great thank, meeting you. You. thank you so much for all your time. I know you're a busy woman. So thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Thanks, Katie. Thank we'll you. Talk you to you both. soon. Bye.
2: You know, Jamie and I love having guests that not just help out some of the challenges and disagreements that we get in but I feel like a lot of couples do and it's just nice to help bring up the conversation to help bring it up in a non confrontational way and something like money is really all of us are thinking about money and a lot of times it's the cause of disagreements and having financial freedom or taking the right steps is always a good thing it takes one less stress off of you so we really really enjoyed having Katie on and especially getting some of the behind the scenes bachelor stuff it was pretty awesome Stay tuned for next week. We are super excited to share with you guys a very inspirational interview that we had with Sarah Talby. And this girl is absolutely amazing. And I don't want to spoil too much, but she was born without arms And just her joy for life is, I mean, you guys do not want to miss this next episode. She is a mom. She has the best attitude that I've ever got a chance to speak to someone with, but definitely stay tuned for that. We love connecting with you so you can find out more information about Hot Marriage, Cool Parents on our Instagram page, or you can visit our personal Instagram pages at Doug or at Jamie and Otis. And if you haven't checked out the Instagram page for Become Body Positive, definitely do so for all things body positivity and self-love. The handle for that is at Become Body Positive. I hope all of you have a fantastic week and look forward to speaking with you next week. Goodbye.